Hi, I'm Sean Perrin, and welcome to the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet, with the neatest people in the industry. In today's episode of the show, I'm joined for part two of a conversation with Laura Campbell, who's also known, of course, as at Laura Clarinetist on Instagram, where she has well over 30,000 followers. Last time we talked a lot about her online presence and how to create great content, but today we focus more on listener questions about her career, such as how to make great connections, some of her favorite moments from lessons, why she chose to go into a music career, and much more. If you enjoy the show and want free episodes straight to your device, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get access to an extended ad-free version of today's episode and many others while supporting the production of the show at the same time, you can visit clarinet.com slash subscribe to become a patron. You'll get immediate access starting at $1 per month and can cancel anytime. Don't forget Clarinet also has a YouTube channel and I'll be doing a giveaway of a Bakun clarinet at 10,000 subscribers. You heard that right and you can head to youtube.com slash clarinet to learn more about this as it becomes available and for a chance to win since only subscribers on the YouTube channel will be eligible. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast and thank you especially to our patrons and sponsors for making everything here at Clarinet possible. Take your clarinet to the next level with a new mouthpiece, barrel, or bell from Bakun Musical Services. With 14-day trials, free shipping on eligible orders, and expert advice, you can be sure you're making the best choice for your musical needs. For Canadian customers, check out the new website in Canadian dollars. And for everyone listening, you can get 10% off your next accessory purchase with code CLARINET at checkout. Again, that's code CLARINET at bakunmusical.com. Imagine a reed that offers complex performance and sound, but is washable, recyclable, consistent, doesn't require moistening, and lasts for months instead of days. It's all possible with Legere Reeds, the world's leading synthetic reed brand, and they're made right here in Canada. Legere Reeds are used exclusively by some of the world's greatest clarinetists, including Eddie Daniels, Crowder Giuffredi, David Schifrin, and many others. And now it's your turn. Experience Legere Reeds at your local music store, or by heading to Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. Encoda is a new app that lets you stream, practice, and perform tens of thousands of music scores. It's kind of like Netflix or Spotify, but for sheet music. Get a free trial today. Just search for Encoda on your device's app store. That's Encoda, N-K-O-D-A. I'm back on the podcast today with Laura Clarnettis, straight from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me. We had a really great first conversation. If you're just tuning in, make sure to head back and check that out. And Let's talk a bit today about your more musical side of your career as far as like what you love about teaching. And I've got some more questions here from your wonderful listeners. So the first one was, how do you make connections in the music field or any field? And this is from JS Clarinet. For me, I've made connections through a lot of different ways. Instagram is really helpful. It's actually really crazy. I was just chatting last night. Corrado, <laughs> Corrado sent me a message last night so already we're like friends and I've had people like Richie Hawley, Jose Frank Firestar send me messages and we'll just chat and they know who I am. To me that's absolutely crazy. I suppose being a woodwind doubler that's a completely different thing as well so I make connections in the doubling industry just by meeting other musicians that I'm playing with or I might go up and introduce myself to the musical director if I go and see a show. So there's that side of making connections. So it's just about knowing people. In fact, I get a lot of questions about how I get into um, woodwind doubling and how to make connections and how to get gigs and things like that. And the answer is literally just to know people. It's all about who you know. But it's amazing how social media helps with that too. I mean, I remember when I first started the podcast, I did my first round of you know, requests for interviews. And only about half the people said yes, you know, some said no, and some just didn't reply. And to be fair, no one knew who I was. But the second season, when I did my round of contacts, 
I didn't get a single no. And by the third season, people were contacting me. And I remember it was really crazy because there's certain artists like Stanley Drucker, for example, I thought I'd never get to talk to, but his agent reached out to me and has since had him on three episodes of the podcast. And I was like, wow, that's so crazy. So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, building through social media is such a great way to you know get notoriety and meet people. Um, so some of these other questions are a little more kind of just about playing stuff, which I think you do answer a lot of in your YouTube videos. But I like this one here. Piano Sam Stuckey <laughs> asks, what is your favorite part about teaching? I really love the light bulb moment that my students have. You know, when you're teaching and someone just doesn't understand a concept. For me, it's happened a lot whenever I've explained music theory, like if I'm teaching the circle of force and key signatures and how to write out a scale. When I have a young student and they go, oh, I get it. That's like the best moment for me. I absolutely love that moment. That is what I live for. (laughs) So that is definitely my favorite part of teaching. And so when did you realize that you really wanted to be a teacher? Well, when I was in high school, that was when I realized that I wanted to be a musician because I just absolutely loved playing in ensembles, even just playing my school concert band. I thought the sound was fantastic. And I was like, wow, imagine getting paid to play in an ensemble. That would just be so amazing. So that's when I decided to be a musician. And there was kind of a stigma that was if – you are not a good enough musician, then you'll just become a teacher. It was kind of like teaching is only for people who aren't good enough to be in an orchestra. And so I kind of listened to that and I was like, okay, yep, I don't want to teach. I just want to be really good and I want to get into the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra or something crazy like that. And then when I was in year 11, I got a new clarinet teacher named Paul. He's now one of my absolute best friends. But He was such an inspirational teacher to me. He wasn't just teaching me, you know, how to sound better on the clarinet. He actually put in so much effort. Like he would send me an email being like, hey, you should watch this video on the clarinet. Like this is really cool. He would say, hey, you need to come to this gig. You would love it. It would be really cool for you to meet this clarinet player. He'd let me sit in a musical theatre pit. He was just really inspiring and I just – realized that that was what I wanted to do. That was super amazing. But he wasn't just a teacher. He was also a performer. And I was like, I love that, you know, you don't just teach. You also kind of preach what you say, I suppose. You do what you're telling all your students to do. There are so many teachers out there that, you know, just teach and they don't actually play. Teaching is all they do. But for me, it's so important to make sure that I show my students that I also practice my scales like I'm telling my students to. And I do the long tones as well. You know, it's not something that you just do during high school and then you stop doing it when, when you get good. Like it's a it's a long process. And, you know, I still gig. I play with orchestras and community bands and things like that. And so that was really important to me. And I realized, yeah, I would love to be able to teach and perform. That would just be amazing. So tell me one of your favorite lessons with Paul. I suppose the things that I remember about learning from Paul weren't actually about the things that he taught me on the clarinet, but they were more about the conversations that we had. I think the most memorable thing that he said to me was in one of my final lessons that I had in the end of high school. And he said that everyone is on their own musical journey. And that's always just really stuck with me. 
But, you know, everyone's learnt from a different clarinet teacher. Everyone's played on a different clarinet. Everyone's been playing for a different amount of time and we've been playing different repertoire. Everyone's on their own journey. So you can't compare yourself to another person because their journey is completely different to yours. That's always stuck with me. And I say that to all of my students and I say it on Instagram all the time. Paul also use a lot of abstract concepts and he always put me really out of my comfort zone. He made me do a lot of things that I was really uncomfortable doing. I remember in one lesson, he just got me to just listen to the room for about two minutes. We just stood there in silence. We didn't talk. And he said, I just want you to listen to the room. I want you to listen to the fan going. I want you to listen to the wind outside. And I was like, this is weird. We're just standing here, not talking. Just like an awkward silence. But he made me just listen to the room. And then for some reason, he got me to test how high I could sing. Now, I am a massive introvert. And I actually used, like, used to be so in my shell. And that's definitely changed through you know, doing music and being on Instagram. But I was not a singer. And I did not sing in front of anyone ever. And he got me to test how high I could sing with the piano. And he was like, just sing as loud as you can. No one can hear you. It's fine. And I remember leaving that room, walking outside and hearing everything that he was playing in that room. And I went, everyone can hear me. <laughs> so those, those really abstract concepts. Yeah, he's definitely the reason that I decided I wanted to be a teacher. This is a really interesting question. And I think this is a question that I should actually... Um, incorporate into the podcast more often, but it comes from Shewin underscore Miller. And they say, what is the most important thing that you did not learn in your college music classes? I wish they just taught you about entrepreneurial skills, to be quite honest. You know, like posting on Instagram is such a random thing that I feel like whenever I meet other musicians in Melbourne and they find out that I have this following on Instagram, they're either like, whoa, that's so cool, or it's like, oh, that's really strange. You don't just want to practice all the time and, like, get into a symphony orchestra. So I wish they taught you skills on how to create videos or literally just how to record audio. I had to figure that out on my own. I had no clue what an interface was or whereabouts I should position a microphone. Video editing is, like, such an important skill now in what I do, but no one taught me that. I wish someone taught me how to do that. Yeah, I, I've often thought the same thing. Like I sometimes wonder if musicians or music as a program or there should be a different type of music stream that's not classical or orchestral based. It's more like, I don't want to say media based because the technique is still important, but it's kind of like that saying, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one was there to hear it, did it really make a sound? And it's kind of like that too. Like if you're the best bassoon player in the world, but you don't have a following and no one knows about you and you don't play in an orchestra and you're like, do you even play? Like, <laughs> so I think it's important to help people get themselves out there to learn how to video edit and record. And, and if you think about the real projects musicians want to do too, like maybe recording an album or all these different videos and stuff, I mean, they need to know at least to a remedial level how that's going to work, you know? And it's just amazing to me that, that this isn't taught more often too. So I think that's such a great answer. Do you think that this will change over time? Like as the world continues to change and people continue to go to college or? I'm hoping so. I mean, the world is changing. And I know as far as like with classical musicians, getting an orchestral job isn't maybe as achievable as what it was 
you know, however many years ago. It's a lot harder now. Like, I know, especially in Melbourne, you've got either the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra or you've got Orchestra Victoria. Those are your only two options. And, you know, social media is what's really growing. So that's what you need to be jumping on. So I'm hoping that, you know, music schools will start to realize that there's more avenues other than just having a performing job or a teaching job. And they've got to really change because of what's happening in the world. Like social media is becoming bigger, so we need to jump on it. And I'm sure there'll be other different skills that we'll need to learn. Well, and look at this unprecedented situation happening right now. I mean, nobody saw this coming. And I really hesitate to say it's an opportunity for anything. Like it's obviously very tragic and there's a lot going on with this whole COVID-19 breakout. But you know what this is exposed for me is that a lot of musicians are not prepared to have to rely on their own followings, you know, like so many orchestras have been laid off suddenly and all of a sudden everyone's just expected to know how to teach online and make that productive and keep performing for an audience that can't even come watch you anymore. So it would be so valuable if there were more tools to help people prepare for this online age. And us who saw it coming have been making online content for a long time now. And I bet we can help others to kind of get there too in that. That might be something worth exploring. Yeah. Really blessed to already be like, have the skills to be able to create the videos that I do. Cause now is the time when, you know, you're seeing lots of symphony orchestras creating these multi-tracks that I've been doing for years. And, I've been getting lots of messages saying, hey, Laura, how to create these videos? I want to be able to do this with my local concert band. And, you know, I've already been doing this for years. Or teaching online, I've already been teaching online for six months through Skype. So we're really lucky that I've already jumped on the social media. And now people are kind of realizing how useful it is. Do your followers contact you uh, for online lessons? Yeah, I teach lessons and I actually have a booking page. So if anyone wants a lesson, you click the link in my bio. And I have a booking page so you can just choose your time and you pay through there and then I just Skype you. So yeah, I've been doing that already for a couple of months. That's very cool. I didn't know that. It's such a great idea. And again, this is just, you know, being a 21st century musician, you got to explore new avenues. And it's just amazing. Like even for example, now, I mean, I would never have guessed when I was in school that I would be the host of a clarinet podcast. It would seem ridiculous because podcasts were barely even a thing, right? So One of the things for anyone listening who's in university or college or high school or even junior high school or whatever you call it, wherever you live, you should think about the fact that the job you might have might not even exist yet. So you need to surround yourself with experiences as a student that are going to allow you to learn how to learn so that as things come up, you can keep learning, you know, and oh, TikTok has come out. It's a new type of social media. Oh, I can learn how to do that because I'm somewhat tech savvy, (laughs) you know, I just think it's so important and it will really help people with sort of their own musical journey, like you were just saying. So this is a good question here from Kaylee Manson. And I was wondering this too. She says, Laura, where do you find all your sheet music and can I find it online? So like, do you arrange a lot of these little tunes yourself? And can people download this? I mean, maybe this is a bonus you could add for Patreon. I don't know. I am actually not an arranger. <laughs> I'm not very good with arranging music. You mentioned uh, someone who asked a question before, Piano Sam Sam Stuckey. He actually just did an arrangement for me. He wrote me a message and said, hey, Laura, I'm actually an arranger. Do you have a song that you'd like me to arrange? And so I'm currently in the recording process of recording this song that he's done for me. But the majority of the sheet music that I use, I literally just find online. People are always like, where do you find your sheet music? I'm like, I literally just did a Google search. <laughs> like, It's not that hard. Some of the music I pay for, like on Sheet Music Plus, you can download um, some digital copies of the sheet music. 
There's a great little site called Clarinet Quartet Shop, which has fantastic clarinet quartets. A lot of my sheet music has actually come from MuseScore, so people upload sheet music there, and then I can download it as an MXL file, and then I import that into Sibelius. And so, for example, if the arrangement was originally for a brass quintet, I can change all of the instruments and I can turn it into a clarinet quintet or I can decide whatever instruments I want to change it to. So I import a lot of things into Sibelius and I change the instruments for that. And it's so cool now because you're able to do some saxophone and flute and bassoon and you know, I see you're learning guitar there too. I mean, how is it going learning all these different instruments? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I haven't started learning the instruments for the purpose of creating videos. I wanted to become a woodwind doubler since I was in high school. I started saxophone 2012, I believe, I started saxophone, and then I started flute in 2013. But that was for the purpose of being able to play in musical theatre, play the read books. I started bassoon only about a month or two ago because I know that being a woodwind teacher, one day I might get asked to teach double read. And I started guitar just as a hobby, just because it's one of those instruments where I'm no longer analyzing myself on my tone or my intonation. It's just a fun instrument for me and I can sing along, play some pop songs. But I've really enjoyed putting all these different instruments into my videos rather than just clarinet. It's actually been quite scary because I'm known as Laura Clarinetist. So when I uploaded my first video with flute, I was terrified because I went, oh my gosh, there's all these amazing flute players out there on Instagram. I'm not a professional flute player. They are going to roast me on my intonation and my vibrato but um, I'm going to put up some flute anyway. So it's been quite scary, but I've loved experimenting with putting them into my videos too. That's so cool. And you know, I, I think that's so neat that you're incorporating these other instruments yourself. I mean, a lot of people I think would consider collaborating with others, but you're, you're doing it all, you know, four or five different instruments in some of these, which is pretty commendable. How do you decide who to do collaborations with? Could one of your followers send you a message and be like, hey, could we do a collab or whatever? Of course, I get messages from people all over the world saying, hey, like, can you be in my video? But it's really tricky because I, if I said yes to everyone, then all day I would be making videos people all over the world. So I can't do that. So as I said in the first episode, how people have to give me something that they're offering, it's kind of got to be like that. So if I'm doing a collaboration with you, then you should have a decent amount of followers because then I'm going to give you followers, you're going to give me followers, you know, we'll kind of be sharing our following. So like I've done a collaboration with Corrado Giuffredi, which was absolutely crazy because he's the one that, who sent cool. me the message and he said, hey, Laura, do you want to do a collab? And I was like, what? You're Corrado. That's crazy. So I've done a collab with Corrado. I've been doing, um, there's a global Instagram orchestra that I've been doing. Oh with a few other Instagram musicians for over a year now. We've been creating videos together and that's been really cool. Usually people who have a decent number of followers, but also on Patreon I have an option where uh, I can't remember how much it is, but you support me on a certain level on Patreon and then I get to do two collabs with you per year. So that's an option on Patreon. Yeah, obviously I can't do collabs with everyone. I would definitely love to. And the virtual concert band project that I've just started up is definitely a way to do that because I've opened that up to everyone. So I'm expecting to have over 100 musicians in this video. Have you thought about doing any sort of like play along things on YouTube or something where people could play with you even virtually? 
I have thought about it. I just saw that Michael Lowenstein has been doing that in the past days. So yeah, it's definitely a good idea. And maybe I should jump on that. I love these little play along things that are coming out. It's a lot of fun. And I think it's a great way for people to practice at home with kind of their idols. You know, how cool is that? Um, this has been a great conversation. I'm going to ask one or two more of these listener questions here, and then we'll move on to the lightning round, which is the sort of extended uh, edition that I offer my Patreon supporters. For as little as $1 a month, you can check that out at clarineat.com slash subscribe or at patreon.com slash clarineat. And I want to encourage you to check out Laura's Instagram channel, of course, which is at Laura underscore clarinetist and her YouTube channel too, and her Patreon as well, which is patreon.com slash lauraclarinetist. Sounds like you can collab with her in there or, or check out some bonus content and all sorts of things. So do check that out. This last question here is from Libby G underscore P. She says, do you have any tips for preparing for auditions? And I know that you just had a little sort of vlog about this. So I wonder if you can offer her some good advice at this point. I found doing mock auditions has been really, really helpful. I just had an audition just a month ago, but doing mock auditions, as many mock auditions as you could do. I was reading up on a blog from someone, I think it was a percussionist, um, who was saying that in the lead up to an audition, he did a mock audition every single day for about a month, which I thought was a fantastic idea. Because for me, like going into the audition, my nerves really affect me. So just playing with people really, really helped. Being on Instagram as well, it's super helpful because I can upload little excerpts of me playing. So I can be like, hey, here's me playing the Mendelssohn Scherzo. So that's a little bit of pressure because I need to get a perfect take. And then once I do get a perfect take, then someone might say, hey, like your articulation is too short or maybe try doing this so I can get feedback from other people as well which is really handy. So just playing as much as you can for other people is probably my biggest tip for auditions. I find it so crazy that you still get nerves too. Like I think everyone still gets nerves. If you care about something, you get nerves about it, right? But I mean, Instagram though, your your videos are out there for like 30,000 people. And I even just refreshed your page today. You're now at 31,000. So it's always growing. It's, it's, it's interesting to note that, you know, that just because you have a big following or that you're a professional or whatever, that doesn't always go away. 100% because, I mean, I'm always open to criticism. never know what someone's going to say. Someone might say, oh, like, you know, you didn't explain this very well. Or, yeah, you're always open to so much criticism. Well, check out Laura's Instagram at Laura underscore clarinetist and also her Patreon at patreon.com slash Laura clarinetist. And if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, the episode will end here. So thank you so much for joining me today. But if you're listening on Patreon, you'll get access to the extended bonus edition, which is going to feature questions like, if you weren't a musician, what would you do? Um, what is one thing about you I'd never guess? What are some of your other hobbies and more? So you can check that out for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash Thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. If you'd like to send me a guest suggestion, have some feedback, just want to say hi or book an online lesson, you can do this at clarinet.com. If you find that you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. There's going to be a Bakun clarinet giveaway coming up at 10,000 subscribers, and I'll be formally unboxing it and showing you what that clarinet is at 2,500 subscribers. There's only a couple hundred to go, so head to youtube.com slash clarinet right now to have a chance to win. 
If you listened all the way to the end here, you are a true fan and you are super awesome. But don't forget, there's actually more to this episode and many others at clarinet.com slash subscribe. You'll get immediate access for as little as $1 per month to ad-free extended episodes. And a little secret is I also upload there in a higher audio quality. Of course, you can also listen still on your favorite podcast player, such as Apple Podcasts. Check that out at clarinet.com slash subscribe. And thank you so much to all patrons in there who make the show possible. We currently lost two but we did gain four more, so we're sitting at 54 subscribers as of this airing. So thank you so much to all of those people for making the show possible. Thank you, of course, also to our sponsors. We've got Legere Reads. You can check them out at Legere.com. That's L-E-G-E-R-E.com. And you know what? You should also follow them on Instagram. They post a lot of really handy tips about how to take care of your reads and even how to recycle your reads if they've reached the end of their life. Legere Reads do tend to last a lot longer than most other types of reads, but they still do have a lifespan, and it's actually really important important to note how to recycle them when it comes time to do so. So again, check those out at legere.com or your local music dealer. Thank you also to Bakun Musical Services. If you're listening to this episode in the month of April 2020, you might be interested to know that they're having their spring cleaning sale. So you can get some great deals. And if you're listening to the podcast anywhere in the world at any time of the year, you might like to know that I actually have a special coupon for you to use at the Bakun website. So head to bakunmusical.com. You can get 10% off any accessory purchase year-round with code CLAIRNEAT at checkout. And last but not least, we have Encoda. Encoda is kind of like Spotify, but for sheet music. And you can get a free trial at encoda.com. That's N K O D A.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Clarinet Podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next time for more of what's new and neat with Clarinet with the neatest people in the industry on the Clarinet Podcast. <laughs>